The postseason is here, and the Ringer NBA show has you covered with Real Ones, Group Chat, The Answer, and Ringer NBA postgame. Check out the Ringer NBA show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. My Eagle enthusiasts, it's Fairway Rollin' presented by FanDuel. Major season is here, and you can get in on all the long drives, big putts, and major moments with FanDuel. Check out live PGA Tour bets like longest drive, round leaders, matchups, birdie or better, and more. Plus, track every shot in the app and watch select par three holes while you place your bets. Download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. You must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors with over 122 million parts from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond. eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance and with eBay guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is Fairway Roll in the Golf Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. This is a U.S. Open major recap. Birdie Buddy, sometimes the obvious answer happens to be the correct answer. The favorite, John Rahm, won the 121st U.S. Open, and it was glorious. Nathan Hubbard, our PGA Tour correspondent on the ground, is here for instant reaction, we're literally taping this like four minutes after John Rahm's acceptance speech, right, Nate? Yes. They the Jets, the Jets fucked up the flyover. Everybody. <laughs> everybody fucked up the back nine except John Rahm, and that's why he won this tournament. Why did we need the Jets? I mean, I understand the relationship with, with San Diego and the military base nearby, but did we really I mean, come on. Anyway, uh, Everybody except for John Rahm. That's exactly right. And that is the perfect topper. Now, we, we, we did a green room a little while ago. Um, great job. Thank you, Spotify, for making it easy enough for a dummy like me to set one up. Um, we were talking a little bit about uh, what our preference is in terms of a major championship. We ended up with two and a half hours of unbelievably uh, dramatic golf because we ended up with a fantastic all top guy kind of leaderboard. The only guy really missing was DJ, the number one player in the world. Not but he anymore. Briefly, no, he briefly snuck into the top 10 he, yes. he, uh, just down the back nine. So we had, we had the entire top five guys in the world. We're all within the top 10 and in, in striking distance. I mean, I loved this leaderboard. I say what you will about the course and I get it. 
It wasn't the most interesting watch we've ever had. But boy, this tournament by the yeah, the Sunday that we got was awesome. By the yeah, that that's that's right. So this is we wouldn't want it any other way. Uh, and this, I think, it's it's not uh, hyperbole to say that this is the best uh, Sunday leaderboard that we've had in a major since when? 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 Uh, what what I, might compare? I I don't I really don't know. It, we have not had it this packed in a long time. We haven't had it this packed in a long time. I mean that that, that that's absolutely correct. It was fascinating, right, to see what happened from there. I mean, Rom won. Because he birdied 17 and 18, yes. But he shot 34 on the back. Think about the other really great guys who were chasing him or who had the lead. Louis shot 36, Brooks 37, Morikawa 38, McElroy shot freaking 39 on the back. So yeah. th- these guys, and, and Bryson was eight over. So it was the back nine, the much maligned back nine that separated the wheat from the chaff and really created separation at the end. And that is exactly what the U.S. Open holds itself out. I mean, this you know, it is absolutely a thousand percent on brand. And the reason that guys got into trouble was by missing fairways and missing greens. And we saw, you know, from uh, Bryson trying to hack out on 13, trying to advance his ball. He twice attempted it unsuccessfully um, from from a wayward drive because there was a tee box. And this was one of the high watermarks of a broadcast that I felt was was pretty moribund, to be honest Meh. with you. Yeah. Um, but Zinger, Paul Azinger shared with us that he had been in communication and Shane Bacon had made an observation to him to be to keep an eye on the the tee box on number 13 because guys were slipping. And lo and behold, Bryson slipped. His drive went right. It landed in a spot that, you know, it probably counseled in favor of him advancing it into the fairway to protect his ability to, to still have a chance at birdie. But that's not Bryson. That's not the way he's played any of these golf courses over the last 12 months. Let's play a Bryson game. Go ahead. We're going to play a shots gained Bryson game for the fourth round. Shots gained off the tee. Did he gain or lose? Gained. He lost 0.62 strokes off the tee. Okay. Shots gained around the green. Gain or loss? Gained. Lost four strokes around (laughs) the green. Well, you know why, and and I'm being a smartass. All of that was... Because of what happened on 13. Yes. I mean, he, he blasted a sand shot into a 12-er of, of Stellas. Yeah. I mean, just awful. Four strokes he lost around the green. He actually, his approach stat was great. He, he gained a bunch of strokes on approach today, but he lost them putting, bled them around the green, and he lost them off the tee. And it started with that slip on 13. The guy's swing is so dependent on that rotating footwork, right? Where his left foot opens on that big, huge swing. It was slippery on 13. Shane Bacon had been talking about it all week. He got up, his right foot slipped, didn't allow him to release. And it's like he just mentally unwound from there. So let's just go ahead and and um, dispense with Bryson and and Brooks because that was one of the interesting storylines coming into this. It's like, duh, you know, we, we, we loved it. Uh, our pal, Kevin Clark, wrote about it and 
you know, Brooks was able to hold it get together better on the Brook back nine than Bryson. And Brooks had a couple putts. Man, if he could have, uh, you know, protected, it would have got interesting. But as it was, you know, he shot 69, shot under par. Yeah, played and, great. And continues to, like, distinguish himself as, you know, like, we're going to see more Justin Ray stats about Brooks in relation to par in the majors. This yeah. this one's another feather in the cap, another top five. Like, you know, yeah. he, he notwithstanding um, not being able to really put a scare in anybody on the back nine, it's still an enormously successful uh, uh, major for Brooks um, Kepka. Yeah, yeah, grown-ass man. And I just don't think this little spat becomes him, nor does it serve him. He is not going out and delivering, it feels like there's just a fraction, which is the difference between winning and losing a tournament like this. There's just a fraction of distraction or drama that seems to keep him from just being the fucking man suit that he is, putting it on and going and winning the golf tournament. He's so not happy with the You're going to attribute uh, Brooks's inability to to kind of really go low. I mean, he he would have had to have shot to, I mean... To tie Rom, he would have had to have shot uh, ultimately 65, which is... Yeah, he wasn't going to win this, but wasn't he lost in the it cards. earlier in the week. I, 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 yeah, he shot 73 on Friday. The 73 on Friday was the thing that kept him from winning the golf tournament. Yeah. That's absolutely true. Yeah, two bogeys on 14 and 15 when he'd finally gotten it back under control on Friday that just, you just, you know, he did not play his best golf he played great on Sunday. And, and again, you just look at him and go, this guy is, like, he's something else that he can pu- pull into these majors after kind of mediocre. But but I just, it feels like it's a little bit of a distraction and it's it's not serving him. I want to see him go head to head with Bryson and win a golf tournament. And then he can taunt, he can bring in his sponsors to, to taunt all he wants. I, you said it offline, House. It did feel a little bit like the vibe in the crowd started to shift towards Bryson. And when that's happening, it's starting to backfire. Well, that is an interesting uh, observation. Um, I sent you guys a note yesterday, having watched Bryson approach the first tee, arrive at the first tee. There was um, a lot of support. There was a lot of outpouring of positive vibes in Bryson's direction. And then Bryson was, was having some exchanges with with the crowd on the first tee, it felt very natural. It was honestly like the most uh, relatable Bryson I feel like I've seen. I don't, I don't know how long he was like uh, uh, amiable and relaxed and and friendly, and it felt natural. It didn't feel forced. Yeah. Um, and I wondered to you guys aloud, like, is public sentiment shifting in his favor now as a result of like the kind of relentless bullying vibe that 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 Brooks has been giving off. Well, I think you're right about that. Uh he did himself no favors shooting eight over on the back today though. That was just a weird <laughs> stretch that that only Bryce it, it was reminiscent of the memorial when he flamed out, you know, trying to repeatedly whack the three wood out of the rough. It, there are times where he's so scientific that he he almost doesn't have the emotional IQ to adapt in real time and go, okay, I, I actually need to make a slight change here. It was, it, I thought it was a, 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 I thought it was a valiant title defense though. L- lots of credit to him until he made the turn. He was right there go- going into 13. He was, and 13 is a birdie hole. I mean, that, that's, that's the thing you, I love the observation you just made because what it makes me think about is like the um, ability to adjust 
as the circumstances warrant, and yet 13, he would not deviate from his, I'm going to swing as hard as I can. I know that I can advance this. I know that I can have the success that I want by following my game plan and his inability. It's like a, a you know, NFL coach or NBA coach who doesn't make second half adjustments. That's exactly right. He never had a moment like that at winged foot where he was challenged like he was on 13. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Evernorth Health Services. Costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and Evernorth is doing everything in their power to make that possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best. It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that'll benefit your bottom line. It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because they're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions, that's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. So in that respect, and then, you know, because you you said it a little while ago, Tori gave us what kind of what we want out of a U.S. Open, right? Challenge. Yeah. yeah, it did. I mean, look, 13 took down Bryson, 13 took down Colin Morikawa. I, I just, I got to ask you, because we now need to get back to Rom, who... From a karma perspective, as he said in the post-round interview, he handled himself so well coming out of the memorial. He did everything right. He was a company man. He kept his, his temper in check. You know, he obviously had an emotional reaction when they told him on the back of that green. But other than that, he did absolutely... And he didn't do anything wrong in that situation. I'm just saying he handled it so well. He deserved this all the way through. That said, House, you tell me, because yesterday, Saturday... On 14, he doubled. And even though he got one back at 18, you kind of felt like coming in at two under, he had just missed it by one because there were so many good guys around the huddle. I felt like, I just don't know that he's going to be able to deliver. So to see him come out and grab it today, he needed help and he got it because the guys in front of him kind of took a dump on themselves on the back nine. But, but I, I really thought to myself on Saturday and that double on 14, ah, poor John Rahm. And let's be explicit about it. He doubled 14 because he hit the flag stick. And, and by the way, we need to do a count. I, I know there was some people have been doing um, stories about it and I haven't had a chance to, to take a look. The number of flag sticks struck on, during this tournament, it feels like an unprecedented number. And somebody uh, made the observation that the flag sticks um, in the U.S. Open that the USGA uses are like a quarter inch larger than the flag sticks that, that are normal on tour. I can't imagine that quarter of an inch produced this result, but the, the penalty of striking the flag stick and having the ball come all the way back to your same thing happened to Sergio. Um, something about this, this, the Spanish and, and striking these, these flag sticks, but, uh, outsized penalties. But I would say in, in, in just a general cosmic karmic sense, that's the kind of adversity that you have to, to navigate to be a U.S. Open winner. And so it, it makes sense to me. It doesn't surprise me at all. I think you're right. I think the only reason is his shots gain approach in round three were sort of tepid is because, I mean, he was still positive, but because he did hit that flag stick. I think other than that, he was hitting his irons great. And really in round three, it was his putting. I mean, he almost lost two strokes putting that round. So uh, he just came back today. And obviously those putts on 17, 18, 
those were benders. I mean, those are really epic, epic sort of poster uh, moments. The only thing that I really was disappointed in is you think back to what that green looked like when Tiger made that putt. And you look at the sort of corporate hospitality tents and the sparse sparseness of the crowd today. Uh, you know, thank God it wasn't more crowded, to be honest, because we might have had more streakers just waving the <laughs> waving the club and balls around. What about, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, what about the the guy on 13 actually yeah. took some swings? I mean, yeah. that's that's an all time. Like whatever the penalty is, however much time he spends Worth in it. jail, I would say so. By right? the way. His swing looked pretty good. I agree with you. I mean, all, all about it. Everything. I mean, I, I somebody needs to get that guy on a pod. Maybe the foreplay guys will get him on. Um, you got to get that guy on the pod and celebrate that that heroic. Now, we don't want to encourage people going out there and interfering with the tournament. No. But still. Yeah. In fairness, he didn't even really interfere with the tournament, did he? I agree. Yeah. I agree. So, so it, 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 it was fine. But look. Those were some iconic putts on 18. We know this is where he won his first tournament on a huge eagle putt to win. So th- there really is something about this place that that karmically was right for John Rahm. He was due. But I do think in this era, there's going to be a lot of guys who are due. And, and, and the guy who I'm most worried about in this suite of great players who all were huddled around the leaderboard today is Xander Shoffley, who made a who made a putting change Two weeks beforehand, he, he he moved to that, you know, the sort of anchor arm straight thing. He, he His round three, he lost freaking almost two strokes putting. It, it did not pay off for him. And I just worry that he's the kind of guy who's going to get lost in the shuffle of this, you know, better than ever series of golfers who are at the top of every single one of these tournaments. It's going to be hard for Xander to grab one away because on any given week, the greatness of a guy like John Rahm is going to poke through. Well, I'm just going to glass half full. It's oh. another top 10 at a major for Xander Shoffley. He's who's awesome. collecting top 10s and top fives in majors, and he's super young and yep. crazy talented. Like, yep. I don't, I don't think, see, I, I at, at his age and you his don't think he's Louis Oosthuizen. It's not scar tissue. He, he, it, it's like another rep, another yeah. rep. And I, I think for, I hope he treats it that way. Yeah. But there's no reason that he can't, like, I never detect anything when we hear him give interviews that suggests that he's laboring with, um, you know, the lack of success. In fact, the spot where, the, the the sort of most obvious moment where you might have seen some some kind of self-doubt or lack of confidence would have been after the Masters when he hit the ball in the water on 16, which is still like just unforgivable um, that that happened. Uh, and he's like, I hit the shot. I, I flushed it. I hit the shot that I wanted to hit. So yeah. like if, okay. if he's if he's got that kind of confidence and he keeps collecting top fives and top tens and majors, I'm not worried about his ceiling. So you're not worried about him. Are you worried about Rory, who just keeps missing putts that he's got to make in big moments? Well, he he was right there. He was three under going into the 12th hole. And the 12th hole, he he had honestly what I treat as as just bad luck. There's not, no reason. He didn't try and do anything heroic. Now, he... he, he uh, uh, made bogey on 11, which wasn't great, but the double on, on 12, like, I mean, the bogey on 11, you can still kind of, um, you know, you're, you're still in the tournament 
to to double bogey twelve, it just makes you know he, he it it was done. The tournament was over for him. Although he came right back and had an eagle try on thirteen, and if he'd made that that putt, and then I think this is the point you're getting at. If he'd made the putt on thirteen, he would have got himself back to three under with birdie opportunities. Um, clearly on uh, uh, fifteen. 17 and 18 um he, he just all he did was hit in the in the left rough off, off the tee on uh 12 and 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 it just spiraled from there it just he had a nine footer on 11 he missed he had a 10 footer on nine that he missed he just he had a lot of opportunities today to 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 put to put the ball in the hole and Look, John Rahm made his putts. Rory didn't. I, I really think Rory had a chance to win this thing today, and he just he didn't execute well in the in the fourth round, and he's going to remember that. I I would just wonder, can you think of a time when he's um, putted great on Poa Nua? Now he's played the West Coast um, venues well. He's played um, in Hawaii fine. Is he? I, I'm trying to. I mean, does Kiowa count as a place where he, I mean, he putted his ass off at Kiowa a long time ago. Yeah. But, you know, and those greens are uh, a Poa blend. I just, well, it's fair. It's fair. But, but, you know, he, he, of the guys, you know, besides Russ Henley and Matthew Wolf, really, I mean, Mackenzie Hughes also was terrible. At that, but it really felt like Rory had a very, very disappointing round. But to your point, he had some bad luck that swayed it probably two or three strokes versus versus where it ended up. I, I just he didn't do enough today to get himself to five or six. He, he, it didn't feel like that got taken away from him and that's why he finished you know one one under. So I, I just uh, now we got to come back and say the last two tournaments that John Rahm has played, he's clearly been the best golfer on the course. They've both been really hard, really strong tests. He's now going to ascend to number one in the world. DJ has not had number one in the world form for quite some time, so it feels right for him to be supplanted in this way. Is he separating himself from the other guys, or do you still feel like between Rom and Morikawa and DJ and Brooks, et cetera, all these guys clustered at the top, that, that they're still all sort of going to trade a bunch of blows like you know heavyweights in the Ali era? I think they're going to be trading blows. I mean, I think he is... Uh, and and there's no arguing it. He separated himself from the cluster, but it's not a secretariat level separation. You know, it's it's by half a length or something. Maybe a maybe a full length because of how incandescent that third round at Memorial was, and how much better he was than everybody else in that third round at Memorial. But you know, I I don't like every one of those guys. I fully expect to see. Uh, at the Open Championship, and and you know, I, I would you bat an eye if Rory or uh, Brooks or Jordan Spieth, Jordan Spieth, like you yeah, seriously, you know, I, I, I it feels like they're going to run it back. One interesting thing about this, let me ask you: Do you think because we talked about the streaker, do you think the crowd had something to do? with the pressure that we saw some of these guys feel. Because remember, Morikawa won a major with nobody around. It was silent like ghosts out there when he was playing. He didn't have to contend with the crowd. Did that have something to do with what we saw out there today? I don't think so. To me, it was entirely the challenge in front of them. It was the golf course. It was uh, a really, really traditional U.S. Open 
kind of pressure, Sunday afternoon pressure. That's the way it, it felt like to me. I didn't detect anything in the crowd behavior, and it could be attributable to the fact that it was a really small crowd compared to some of the crowds that we've seen. It It was definitely a smaller crowd than what we saw at Kiowa. It just, the, the crowd didn't play a meaningful role. I didn't feel like in changing the pressure in, in any direction for any of the players. The course was the challenge from my observation. Well, and probably if there was a disappointing moment to this afternoon, it was Louis stepping up on 17 in a, in a tie for the lead. And yanking that one left. And it, it really was reminiscent of what happened not about a month ago, two months ago in New Orleans as he's playing with Schwartzel in that playoff against Leash and Cam Smith. And he steps up in alternate shot and blocks it right into the water. It was a different swing, obviously, because this, this was more of a pull. But, uh, you know, Louis now is the only player in men's golf history with six runner-up finishes in majors and either one or zero wins. That's straight from our guy, Justin Ray. Uh, it's painful. I think you said it best. What did you call him? I don't know. What did I call him? The major sniffer. Yes. That's what you called him. He is the major sniffer. You know what, though? It's it's kind of fine. It's kind of fine. (laughs) He's likable. He's got his great horse farm down in Ocala. We found out from Kevin Clark that um, he's the second most famous athlete from Ocala. Dante Culpepper is number one. Dante Culpepper gets to hold on to number one. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) uh, And, and, you know, like you, you collect gigantic checks by getting second place in all these majors. Yeah, and like listen, he, he's done it. He, he's done it six times. Only, only twelve other guys have have that many runner-up finishes in majors. Now, those twelve other guys have combined to win ninety-five major titles, according to Justin Ray. Again, <laughs> so that's the difference. Uh, that, uh, there's a small difference. Okay, that's fine. I, I look. It doesn't. Um, impact my ability to root for Louis. Like if Louis had won, I would have been totally fine with it. I bet on Louis this morning. I was like, he can absolutely win this golf tournament. Let me have, make sure I have a little bit of, of coverage on this. I don't want to be there with my, my pants down. I bet I probably bet on, on 40 different things, by the he way. Played, he played very well. It, it just, the bogey on 17 is inexcusable. You 18 was playing the easiest of any 18th hole in the history of the US Open. So you knew <laughs> you were going to go get get it there. I mean that's that's a fact. So you knew you were going to have a great chance to get it there. You just got to find a fairway on 17 and he really had driven the ball well all week up into that point. So it, it it's a disappointing finish for a guy who who frankly had a chance to a real real chance better than some of the others he's ever had to win this thing. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you will always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. 
With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, View its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Let's do um, some of the atmospherics uh, before we um, move move off this. So uh, how much of the broadcast did you you feel like you got to see? Because it was on to the credit of the combination of golf channel and NBC and Peacock. It, it was 12 hours of golf every round, which, which is uh, commendable. Yeah. I think it was 78% commercials. <laughs> there were. So yes. Uh, did we have any uninterrupted commercial there on the back nine? How, how was no. that? Uh, yeah. No, we didn't. We had some playing through. We had uh, playthroughs. At, I know. at one point there was a commercial for the U S women's open, which happened two weeks ago. So I, it just, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't understand exactly what happened. This was not a particularly compelling telecast that it was gray. First of all, the Marine layer never left. So we didn't get to see the sunshine in California. It felt like they over relied on the parasailing guys. We didn't get a real sense for elevation changes because I didn't feel like we were seeing a whole lot of drones. Maybe they were afraid they were going to interfere with the, with the paragliders. I don't know. But it just wasn't a very compelling telecast, save for some interesting insight from from Woody and and from Bones on the course. I, I just I didn't get much. Did you? No. And and part of this uh, does definitely um, square with the criticisms that a lot of the sort of architecture oriented folks, the criticisms of of the venue. What rang true to me was the redundancy in visual. Like it just, I, I couldn't, it's not easy to separate just walking into the room and looking at the hole, separate the holes. Um, they, they have a real, um, yeah. you know, repeat monotonous. Yes, they, absolutely. But, the, but then the when case. it's done, yeah, when it's done and they do the interview with Rory yesterday and they've got a camera on his balcony, they know that he just had a baby a little while ago. There's a three-year-old walking on the balcony <laughs> and the donkey interviewer says, oh, we see Poppy up there. And Rory like has a, are you fucking kidding me? Look on his face. He's like, that's an older cousin. Like, can we at least get those facts straight if we're going to invade his privacy? Yeah, and there was a lot of observations on the back nine that that felt like they weren't uh, taking into account all of the twists and turns that were possible. There was a lot of pronouncements about guys being done, uh, so on and so forth. Ultimately, that that uh, they they bore out, but there was a lot of golf left. You you texted me, hey, they're they're shutting doors. We got a lot of holes left. Yeah, and and you know we didn't get we got fireworks from one player, um, which was uh, appropriate that they came from the winner of the tournament. Um, but everything else was was disaster zones. Uh, guys, just absolutely collapsing and it it felt i don't know it just didn't feel as as i i the only moments that i was really like jumping up out of my chair with the goosebumps and the hairs up on the back of my neck 
were the were the rom putts. The rom putt on 17 and the rom putt on on 18. Those were were both Otherwise, the, the combination of, of the visual factors, the visual effect, and we, we really couldn't put our finger on why it was that the guys, other than, than the pressure of the moment, what, what, like, why was it that, that uh, Bryson threw up all over himself on 13? Why was it that, that uh, Rory encountered the trouble he encountered on 12? Um, you know, what, what was it about those holes, the way they looked? We know Bryson slipped. Yeah, but he, he in the post round attributed it all to just bad luck. He, he took almost no accountability for the, for the eight over on the back. A lot of it felt like bad luck. I have to be honest. In, yeah. in, the, in the way that poor Mackenzie Hughes caught nothing but bad luck with that tree ball. <laughs> I know. I mean, I he snapped it. He he did snap it. It was a uh, you know an overcooked yeah uh, hooker. I I, but... I I I do think though when you go back and you look at the scores. I mean, Brooks was really disappointed when he bogeyed eighteen. But let's say that he that he gets a birdie there and he doesn't bogey sixteen. He still only gets to five. So it just didn't feel like anybody had a chance really to catch Rom after those fireworks than other than Louie. And Louie really had the chance to do it. If he could have just found a way to par, uh, you know, we were going to get a playoff. But now instead, we get Father's Day dinner, and that's not a bad thing. We love Father's Day dinner. So let's go eat our own Father's Day dinners right now. Um, Big thanks to everybody for listening all week. Uh, Thanks to Will Zalatoris. Thanks to Jason Kokrak. Thanks to Patrick Cantlay for coming on. Now, look, we are not going to get in the business here of establishing a fairway role in jinx. I know that that Zalatoris and and Kokrak did not have the outcomes that were hoped for. Cantlay, where did he he end up? T15 at, at plus one. Okay, there we go. So there is no such thing as a fairway roll in Jinx because Patrick Cantley finished top 15. Welcome back, Matthew Wolf. I I'd always believed. I always believed, baby. You, I, you're the only person I heard talking about Matthew Wolf uh, in, in, in any of the weeks leading up to this. And, you know, congrats to him for yeah, great to see him out there. How thoughtful he was for the revelation, how, how candid he was about what he was going through. Congratulations and, and kudos. To Bubba for Bubba's, you know, efforts with with Matthew. Like all of these things are important to to us as consumers of of this um, great sport and and the competitive aspects of it. To see these guys interacting this way, showing us a new kind of um, interaction aside from different from the 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 now hacky. Bryson Brooks uh, kind of stuff, and you know, we got a lot of great. You know, Rory was his typical. Um, introspective and thoughtful self, and gave a lot of great. You know, the the looks like green books, gr- gr- the the green reading books are going away, um, which is terrific. We 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 definitely support that here on Fairway Rolling. But you know, it was a it was a very, in many respects, like a traditional U.S. Open week with a a really great Sunday leaderboard and a super 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 proper winner. Right? It was all we could have hoped for. I do think that at the end of the day, I'm looking forward to the next couple of U.S. Opens being on different, more interesting courses. The next time we come out to the West Coast, it's going to be down the street at uh, LACC. Yeah. Uh, well, we have the Country Club next year up in uh, in Boston. Yeah. So we're gonna we're, we're gonna have some more interesting venues and hopefully a little slightly more interesting visual presentation. But if we get these kinds of leaderboards on the back nine on Sunday afternoons. 
it's going to be everything we could have hoped for, regardless of where they play it. That's a fact. All right, Nate Dog. Well, thank you very much. As always, I'll talk to you in about a week. We're going to give ourselves uh, a break, take a little bit of a breather here on Fairway Raw, and we'll be back uh, in no time because the British Open is right around the corner. I love this this streak that we're on of like major, 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 major. It's just, I, I love this schedule. I'll be boots on the ground in Hartford this week, so I'll sc- scope it out. We'll talk about that next week. Hey, I can't wait to hear some results. I don't even know what to tell you to go eat. Uh, but I'll come up with some just suggestions between now and then. Thank you, our Eagle enthusiasts. Thank you, our Pod Saving Pals. Thank you, our Birdie Buddies. Until next time, let's head them straight out there. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.